0: Yeah. Acting as moderator for tonight's broadcast. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. Well, I never thought I'd get to this point. But I am evaluating my Dr. Seuss attractions. And my only weapon in this evaluation is Neanderthal thinking. It's high noon for Wednesday, March 3rd, 2021. Follow the podcast on Gavin Parler at I'm Your Moderator or on the Telegram Messenger app at T.me slash I'm Your Moderator. Join the discussion thread at T.me slash Be Reasonable Discussion. And if you want a shirt, you want a mug, you want a sticker, you want a, uh, what else we got? Uh, there's some tote bags. <laughs> Go to uh, www.cancelcouture.com. Now, Today is the 42nd full day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half dead demented degenerate ventriloquist dummy fake proxy president Joe Biden, who is overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party, the patriarch of one of the most corrupt and awful families in American history, and the father of one of the world's most despicable sons, Hunter Biden. So congratulations, America. You follow the science. Now, let's start off with some COVID fun. Joe Biden just uh, extended a question and answer session. At his daily viewing, <laughs> Joe Biden is basically a small animal in a petting zoo that they let out to play with the children for about five minutes. Wait, I just said Joe Biden was allowed to play with the children. So I didn't mean to say that and make it sound that way. But you know what I'm saying with the petting zoo reference? He's basically like a, uh, a llama or a baby goat, except evil and stupid. I'm assuming that llamas and baby goats are neither evil nor stupid. They just happen to have animal brains. Some of which I'm sure are smart. But uh, so he extended his his handlers were trying to shuffle him out of the room. uh, And someone asked a question about what he thought of the decisions yesterday by Governor Abbott in Texas and the governor of Mississippi in ending their COVID restrictions and mask mandates. And he called their thought process in this Neanderthal thinking. So apparently, choosing not to wear masks to not prevent contracting a disease with a 99.8 overall recovery percentage, which is much, much higher for anyone who is healthy and or under the age of 65. That apparently is Neanderthal thinking. So I wonder what his opinions on the flu are. I guess we'll just have to wait and find out. But Neanderthal thinking, and yes, of course, the left has gone absolutely bonkers over what Governor Abbott said yesterday, that all businesses could be reopened at 100% capacity and there would be no more mask mandates. And yes, he threw a cookie to the communists by saying that, you know, everyone should still practice their, their safety measures. Well, okay. But the real point is that the governor is doing what he should do and allow adults to take care of themselves and make their own decisions. Now, is everyone going along with the actual data and the actual science? No, of course not. Because Austin, in particular, has been infested with communists. I know you can't say infested because then they sound like they're just insects. And they're not insects. They are human communists. I'm not trying to dehumanize the the communists. I'm just trying to shame them out of their communism. So I'm in Texas right now, and I went to a coffee shop this morning. Of course, I walked in without a mask on, and they said, oh my God, can you please put on a mask? And I said, sure. It's your private business, and I would like to have a couple of coffees. So I'm going to wrap my bandana around my head, even though it does nothing, and comply with your request. And I said to them, oh, you guys are still doing the whole mask thing, huh? And they said, yeah. And so I placed my order, I pay, and as they're getting the stuff together, I go, so hey, uh, how long are you guys going to keep this whole mask thing up? And there was uh, a girl there and a guy. Both of them looked like they were in their mid-20s to early 30s. And the girl, sorry, woman, says, uh, you know, until, until we feel comfortable. And I'm like, oh, well, that's a weird answer. And then the guy says, until Texas catches up with the vaccinations. Now, both of those answers are retarded and dishonest. And so I just want to, like... Kind of break apart both of them because they both seem to be fairly standard responses now the the woman's response that masks would need to be worn by the customers until they feel comfortable they meaning the two people working behind the counter um, that is ridiculous at least she was being honest about what she thinks and what the actual policy of the business is it was basically that their opinion that their position as woke millennials was that they were in danger and that they were uncomfortable that they would be made uncomfortable by unmasked customers so her statement to me the substance of the statement is that she is uncomfortable around the customers that the customers were most likely carriers of disease and for her to do her job she needs to feel comfortable around the customers even though she's quite a distance away and that's not how covid is transmitted and masks don't do anything which of course as a woke millennial who would claim herself to be an educated person, she would have to know that masks don't do anything. But that's not what she's told. So it's not what she believes. And as an educated person, she is the sort of educated person that doesn't bother actually researching the subject on which she's about to propound. So we have to go with the idea that masks do work and that's what makes them feel comfortable enough to serve coffee. Now, if you were in my position and you took the one and a half seconds to pirouette yourself and, and take in the visual glory that is the rest of the coffee shop, you would see 10 or 12 or maybe 15 people sitting at tables typing on computers and not wearing masks. So me, I'm in there for eh, two and a half minutes and I don't have COVID, which means I can't give them COVID. Thank goodness, right? We have, again, forgotten about this. I know I've said it a million times, haven't said it in a while, going to say it now. If I don't have COVID, I can't give you COVID. And if I don't have symptomatic COVID, I can't give you COVID. So, the truth is, I already know that I can't give you COVID. So, the mask on my face to prevent you from getting COVID is a totally unnecessary step because I can't give you COVID. Just like if you're having unprotected sex, which I'm certainly not saying you should do, even though it feels way better and most people don't care, you can't get herpes. From someone who doesn't have herpes, even if you're unprotected, which is great. Now, do you know whether or not they have herpes? No, you don't. So it's a good thing to wear protection or just ask. But you do know if you have symptomatic COVID. And if you don't have symptomatic COVID, well, by golly, you're not gonna give it to anyone. So the mask is redundant. But let's move on to the gentleman behind the counter who said that Texas needs to catch up on its vaccinations before they eliminate their mask policies. Really? Well, that's interesting. So I wonder if this guy's assertion as a woke, educated person who is working as a barista, not that there's anything wrong with that, his position is that he might have better access to the science and the data then not only the governor of Texas, but also the CDC and anyone who bothers to read. Because if you're the governor of Texas or the CDC or a person who is able to read, you could know that masks don't work and that the vaccine and the rate of vaccination is not a metric For mask use. Because again, the whole point is masks don't actually do anything. And of course, Joe Biden was sitting sitting there um, teetering and doddering in his chair as he mumbled out his thoughts about Neanderthal thinking. And his mask, if you watch the video, was slipping off his face as it always does. And of course, right before the end, he tugs it back up on his nose where it begins slipping down again, of course. But perhaps Joe Biden also hasn't consulted the data or the science or the CDC or common sense and realized that if your mask actually doesn't fit snugly enough to not fall off your nose, it's not doing anything. And if you're constantly fiddling with your mask. It's not doing anything. Now, again, the N95 mask is the only one that provides any measure of protection against viral particles because all cloth masks, all of them, are ineffective against viral transmission because they allow viral particles to go right through the cloth. The N95, when worn properly and not fucked with, I mean, fiddled with, I'm trying to swear less, for you, not for me. I love it. But if you're doing that, then even the N95 is rendered useless. And of course, using it more than once would do that as well. But then again, we're not really using the masks to prevent viral spread, are we? No, we're using them to show everyone else how good we are. And apparently, if you're woke and you imagine yourself educated, then masks work perfectly for that goal. So masks definitely accomplish the goal of looking like you're a good person to other maskies. And again, these people live their whole lives with one purpose, and that is impressing other people. Like them. So, mission accomplished, Maskey. And this experience was not traumatic, but it did get me thinking what can we do about these businesses to encourage them to follow the science, to follow the data, and to comply with the state's orders? Because they told us that all of that was very, very important for this entire time. You must follow the science. You must follow the data. And sorry, we all have to wear masks because the state says so. You know, I don't like cancel culture at all. And I hope that what I'm about to say doesn't sound like cancel culture. And I certainly don't want employees of these businesses to get in trouble or even to feel bad. I really don't want that. But I do want these businesses to be held accountable for the complicity that they have in the enforcement of this communist bullshit. And I'm thinking that maybe it's time to start leaving Yelp reviews or something on these businesses' accounts and saying, I don't appreciate being told that I need to wear a mask to go into your business, this is a one-star review, I'll change it when you get rid of this stupid policy, but it is time for this to end, it's not in line with the data, it's not in line with the science, your employees actually don't seem to know the policy at all, and they're just making it up on the fly, and they're insulting and patronizing about it, and maybe, that, maybe that'll maybe that help, maybe it won't. But if you're in a state that doesn't have mask mandates or a city that doesn't have mask mandates, it's time to start calling these businesses out and putting the pressure on them to go back to normal. I've had this conversation with some business owners here about the need to push the limit back to normal. If you are not disobeying the law, if you are not threatening, your business license, or your liquor license, if you're a bar, then you need to be opening up as fast as possible and encouraging your customers by your own behavior to go back to normal. If they no longer want to come to your business, that's fine. And that's why a lot of these businesses are doing it, because they think that they're going to lose their customer base. But then we As intelligent people that know that masks don't do a goddamn thing, we are making ourselves complicit by not putting the same pressure on them. And I'm sorry if that puts business owners in a bad position, but the position that they are keeping themselves in, they can be kept in forever by not standing up to those people. The position that we are putting them in is a position that they can make their move, and then within a week or two weeks, it'll be right back to normal for them. And most people will probably appreciate it. Everyone else can keep their masks on. If you want to keep a mask on, keep a mask on. And better yet, if you are a masky, if you are a commie, an Obama, or a Romney, stay the fuck home. I am totally sick of this shit. And I imagine that almost everybody, if not everybody who listens to this show is as well. Personal responsibility. Let's get back to that. If you want to be protected from COVID and you think a mask helps, wear a mask. If you want to be protected and you think that everyone needs to wear a mask to protect you, then sorry, you've crossed the line and you're infringing on someone else's freedom, so stay home. Stay home. You want to order your food? Stay home. You want to order a coffee? Stay home. You want to work from home? Stay home. Those are your options. If you're going to complain, if you're going to make everybody else do things that are unhelpful, unscientific, and an infringement on their freedom and their rights to Breathe, for instance, stay home. Now, Universal Studios or Universal Theme Parks are legitimately evaluating their Dr. Seuss attractions. That's bananas. Like, I don't see why everyone doesn't simply decide to stop listening to the complainers and the cancelers. That is all you have to do. Unless you have actually done some abhorrent shit, just stop listening to them. They do not have the power to destroy your business. They only have the power to complain for a few days. And just weather it. Weather it. You don't need to take down Dr. Seuss exhibits because some communist weaklings online make up Completely make up, out of nothing. And you're racist. Dr. Seuss is not racist. Dr. Seuss makes silly cartoons for children to read with silly rhymes and made-up words. Michelle Obama had a Dr. Seuss reading at the White House. And now a few years later, Dr. Seuss is racist? Dr. Seuss? And let's get even a little further into the communist weaklings that run some of the biggest businesses in the country. And let's start with the Washington football team. They used to be called the Washington Redskins, but now they can't be the Washington Redskins because Redskins refers to Native Americans, and that's offensive even though The vast majority of Native Americans, above 90%, don't think so and don't care because they're full-grown adults. I'm half Italian. You want to call me WAP? You want to call me Dago? You want to call me Greaser? I don't give two shits. Do it all day long. In fact, you can refer to me as that instead of my name, and I won't care. There's no way that I could care. Now, I'm not saying that no one else should, should care about that, even though Italians actually were looked at as minority citizens. Now we've become white, I guess. But they're doing the same thing with black people. They say black people exhibit whiteness, and that's bad. So what you should take away from all this nonsense is that the things they say don't mean anything. And then you just stop listening to them. Be like, you know what? Our team's called the Washington Redskins. And it's going to be okay. Now I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, hey, Dago, wasn't that whole Washington Redskins thing settled like a year ago? Yes. Yes, it was. So why am I talking about it right now? WAP, you might ask. Well, it's because now they've decided to get rid of cheerleaders and replace them with a co-ed dance team. What? Hey, Washington football team, no one cares about any of it. No one gives two shits about the cheerleaders. Are they cute? Yeah. Are they nice dancers? Sure. Sure. Do they add anything to the football game? Well, not really. You know how I know that? Because I'm a Steelers fan. Do you know when the Steelers had cheerleaders last? 1969. And you know when they started? 1961. You know when the Steelers started? 1933, I think. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. So that means in 88 years of Steeler football, they had cheerleaders for eight of those years. No one cares. There's not a Steeler fan in the world who gets to Heinz Field and thinks, damn, where are the cheerleaders? Or they're watching a game on television and they're like, man, those uh, Steelerettes, I haven't seen them in a while. (laughs) Has it been 52 years? Yeah, it has. No one cares about football cheerleaders at all. They definitely don't care about making sure that both genders are represented on the field. And what are we going to do once the co-ed dancers start up? Well, we're going to have to make it what? Tri-ed or 57-ed? That actually sounds like I'm uh. I'm I'm a quarterback doing the snap count. 57 head! 57 head! <laughs> we don't need cheerleaders. We don't need dancers. They're gonna put trans people there? Sure. Sparkle genders? Yup. Heinz even has the 57. Heinz 57. Let's get all 57 genders and then the Steelers the Steelers can have cheerleaders. It'll look like the Moss Isley Cantina from Star Wars. Just an array of different creatures from different planets, all being feminists together. Maybe they won't even dance. Maybe they'll read us poetry. Or hopefully try to cancel us. They'll wear all the rainbow colors and then all the extra colors that they've added to the rainbow flag just to make sure everyone's included, even though the colors don't match and now the flag looks stupid. Thanks, commies. That's progress. Now, let's talk about some more serious issues in a marginally more serious way. So, the United States Capitol Police issued a statement today. Capitol Police increased security following threat. The United States Capitol Police Department is aware of and prepared for any potential threats toward members of Congress or towards the Capitol complex. We have obtained intelligence that shows a possible plot to breach the Capitol by an identified militia group on Thursday, March 4th. We have already made significant security upgrades to include establishing a physical structure and increasing manpower to ensure the protection of Congress, the public, and our police officers. Our department is working with our local, state, and federal partners to stop any threats to the Capitol. We are taking the intelligence seriously. Due to the sensitive nature of this information, we cannot provide additional details at this time. So let's break it down. Potential threats. Got it. You're prepared for any potential threats. Well, if that's the case, thank goodness, first of all. But we don't need a press release for that because you still have 10,000 natural, natural National Guard troops outside the Capitol with a fenced perimeter with razor wire. So, thank you for informing us that you are still prepared for threats. A mere two months after. You first became prepared for threats. We have obtained intelligence that shows a possible plot. Well, what is a possible plot? I mean, is it a first draft? Either you have a plot of a potential threat, meaning by potential, that the threat has not yet arisen in reality. Okay. But you have a possible plot and you've obtained this intelligence from who? MSNBC, CNN, Internet message boards. How do we even qualify this possible plot as intelligence? We are taking the intelligence seriously. Well, I mean, that's good especially since it's only potential, and it's only the potential of a possible plot. I'm glad you're taking it seriously. Should we take it seriously, or should we take it literally? And how should we take it? Oh, wait. Due to the sensitive nature of this information, we cannot provide additional details at this time. Well, what is the sensitive nature of the information? Is it that it doesn't exist? (laughs) the non-existent information, this non-existent intelligence on a potential threat of a possible plot? Or is it a possible plot regarding a potential threat? It's hard to understand what they're actually saying is happening here. And if the intelligence is sensitive, how is it that CNN and MSNBC and all the other communist media outlets in our country are saying that this threat is very serious and very real, and that it's coming from QAnon groups. Okay, so I've said a million times, and I think everybody knows this by now, but there is no QAnon group. There definitely aren't multiple QAnon groups, because it's hard to get past zero and get to two or three you have to have one first so we're still at zero QAnon groups that's a fact there's no such thing as a QAnon group but the idea that there are any groups thinking about possible threats against the capital tomorrow is crazy there aren't there would be talk about it All over the place if that were happening. We all knew that people were going to the Capitol on January 6th, right? We all know when Black Lives Matter decides that they're going to attack things because they send flyers around on social media that are not censored at all. And then they go out and attack things. Right now, we are still at zero scheduled Trump supporter attacks on anything including the Capitol. And we're seeing it more and more each day. Today, the commander of the National Guard testified that he was told that he could not activate any quick reaction units until he was given that authority by Nancy Pelosi or the the sergeant at arms. And of course, he wasn't given that authority because of optics even though they had actual specific intelligence that mentioned specifically Antifa, which Christopher Ray of course, denied yesterday. But we all know where this situation is at right now. They're pretending that the things I'm saying have somehow been debunked. They haven't been debunked. They can't be debunked. They're reality. Just because people write articles debunking things does not then put the claim into the status of debunked, even though it exists in reality. That is crazy. And while we're at it, here's a great piece of news. Today, in the Senate testimony, uh, Senator Ron Johnson asked an FBI official, their top FBI counterterrorism official, Jill Sanborn. If any firearms had been confiscated on January 6th during the Capitol riot, the uh, very violent insurrection, the armed insurrection, as CNN describes it in their chyron, very, very violent and very, very armed, anyone want to take a guess on how many firearms were confiscated in and around the Capitol that day? It's zero. The FBI's top counterterrorism official, Jill Sanborn, testified. To my knowledge, we have not recovered any on that day from any other arrests at the scene at this point. Ron Johnson asked Nobody has been charged with an actual firearm weapon in the Capitol or on Capitol grounds? Sanford replied, correct. How many shots were fired, Johnson asked. I believe the only shots fired were the ones that resulted in the death of the one lady. That would be Ashley Babbitt, who may or may not have been shot and may or may not have died. No one will ever know because she has four different last names There's no body. She was apparently cremated and then tossed out to sea. But the video of her death, her apparent death, her alleged death, shot by none other than Antifa Black Lives Matter terrorist John Sullivan slash Jaden X slash Insurgents USA. There's actual video that makes it look very much like there is no chance that she, was, that, that she actually died or was even shot. And a very, very good chance that all of this was a setup and that the police officer actually shot down the hallway and not at Ashley Babbitt. There's also no indication of who that police officer is. They've mentioned names a couple of times, but there's nothing official. So just like Officer Brian Sicknick, who Christopher Ray testified yesterday that he had no knowledge of how Brian Sicknick died, or at the very least, he wasn't allowed to tell the public, we have another totally mysterious death of the very deadly insurrection, or at the very deadly insurrection, I should say. So the charges range, as we said yesterday, from assault to destruction of property. And there were no firearms confiscated anywhere. Anywhere. How long are we going to keep pretending that any of this story is true? It's not. And yet, Democrats are trying to strip freedom freedom after freedom after freedom after right after right after right. From American citizens forever because of this hoax of an event. I'm not saying the event is a hoax. It really happened. Did people get hurt? Yes. Stop. You know what I'm saying. Now let's change subjects without a segue. This is from ABC News. Last night, the headline is Whitmer faces criticism over severance deals for officials. Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer faced growing criticism Tuesday after the disclosure of two additional employment separation deals for former top officials, a day after her administration acknowledged that a key leader in the state's response to the coronavirus pandemic was paid $155,000 following his sudden resignation. Ex-Unemployment Insurance Agency Director Steve Gray, who resigned in November after falling out of favor with the governor, received nearly $86,000 in severance, according to his agreement. The Associated Press obtained a copy through a public records request. As part of the deal, both sides agreed to maintain confidentiality about Gray's employment and departure. Pausing just for a second, because I don't want to forget this. I think it's probably worth, and maybe I'll just have to do it myself, a uh, FOIA request, a Freedom of Information Act request, about Gavin Newsom's release of their uh, health director last fall. Because we still have no idea why that happened. I mean, we have our guesses, which are probably accurate. But it would be nice if that information was out there in the public. I'm beginning to wonder if the Democrat conspiracies, and I do mean conspiracies because they are conspiracies, There are multiple people and multiple groups of people in power committing the same crimes for the same reasons. And I'm talking about these Democrat governors. This is what happened. There is the conspiracy about the COVID response. There is a conspiracy about the nursing homes. And there is a conspiracy about the unemployment payments, many of which, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars, going to people who simply do not exist. This is going to be one of those scandals that takes years to unravel, probably, because the news isn't going to spend time on it. It'll leak out over time, and they will do their best to slow play it so that none of the governors actually have to take responsibility for it. And then they can do what they always do and call it old news and say, no one cares about that anymore. I'm president now. Back to the article. Sarah Estee, a deputy director in the State Department of Health and Human Services, who quit in late January, also had a separation pact. Such deals appear to be highly unusual in state government, as they should be. There is no reason why a state employee should be able to leave their job and get a, a severance package that includes a confidentiality agreement state officials are acting on behalf of their repre- of the people they represent, okay? That should all be public information. It should not be hidden. It should not be covered up, and it should not be withheld and delayed. If there is a reason for someone in state government to be signed to a confidentiality agreement upon leaving their position, then what we have is obvious corruption. There should be no reason why the people of any of these states should not be allowed to know what their government is doing and who is getting paid off for silence with taxpayer dollars. This is absurd. Former DHHS Secretary Robert Gordon, who issued sweeping COVID-19 restrictions after the governor's emergency orders were upended, By an October court ruling, abruptly resigned January 22nd. At that time, Whitmer would not say if she had sought his exit. Now, this is important because just like in Michigan, they did this in California as well. The governors had their emergency orders rescinded, and rather than taking off the mitigations and the restrictions that had no science and no data backing them and were unconstitutional and illegal and restricted the rights of their own citizens, the governors instead had health officials in their states impose the same restrictions that they had originally imposed. So when you hear later that one of these officials separates from his position or her position and then has to sign a confidentiality agreement, that should raise some eyebrows. But his February 22nd severance pact, uncovered Monday as part of a newspaper's open records requests, suggested he was forced out. The $155,506 payout covers nine months of salary and his payments to continue health coverage. The parties agreed, quote, in the interest of protecting deliberations among government officials end quote, to maintain confidentiality regarding the departure of Gordon, who agreed not to sue the state. Oh, thanks, Robert Gordon, for not taking more taxpayer money for exposing the corruption of your government. Unbelievable. On January 29th, a week after Gordon's exit, Esty, well, now it's Etsy in this article. Great job, ABC News. Etsy. <laughs> if you want to buy quirky items from your neighbors go on etsy Esti signed a deal with the health department's human resources director in which she was placed on paid administrative leave until february 26th at which point she resigned always nice to give a state employee an extra month of pay for doing nothing even though the resignation is surely going to come that sounds like a nice little bonus That contract, which was first reported by the Detroit News, has no confidentiality provision. She made $156,060 a year, so the extra month's pay was about $12,000. Republican lawmakers who have criticized Whitmer's COVID-19 restrictions and policies vowed to investigate Gordon's golden parachute. We have an executive, a cabinet member, who's being paid to not talk, said Representative Matt Hall of Marshall, Michigan. He knows a lot about these decision, about how these decisions are made. Why did you make these hush money payments? Whitmer bristled at the characterization without saying why Gordon got the payout. Separation agreements are used often in the public and private sector when someone in a leadership position leaves an organization, she said. Due to the nature of the agreement, there's not a lot more that I can say on the subject. However, I do want to say this. There were not any improprieties with Director Gordon's work. It's simply that he tendered his resignation and I accepted it. Oh. So the agreement that you had him sign and agree to makes it so that you can't say anything. Got it. Great move, Governor. And also, you're making it clear that he didn't do anything wrong. There were no improprieties with his work. So it's not really him. That needs the confidentiality agreement, is it, Gretchen? At least one GOP legislator, Representative Annette Glenn of Midland, pledged to try to prevent Whitmer from entering into future taxpayer-funded separation deals that silence departing officials. And Republican Senator Jim Runstad of Oakland County's White Lake Township said a committee considering the appointment of Gordon's successor, Elizabeth Hurdle, will seek answers at. A Thursday hearing. Thomas Shaver, Freedom of Information Act coordinator for the Department of Labor and Economic Growth, which oversees the Unemployment Benefits Agency, said Gray was a classified employee with a contract through June 1st. The $85,872 sum equals nearly seven months of pay. About $9,200 of the payment went to Gray, Gray's lawyer. Gray agreed not to file a lawsuit against the state. Oh, that's nice. Aides to Whitmer's predecessor, Republican former Governor Rick Snyder, said they were unaware of similar severance agreements with top-departing officials. Snyder was known to shift people from high-level jobs to other state positions, however. In 2014, Whitmer, then Senate Minority Leader, called for an independent review after former state treasurer Andy Dillon made the same salary for three months after resigning. He worked as an advisor to his successor during that period. Whitmer said taxpayers deserve to know that the department was being run in a fiscally responsible manner. Yes, of course, the taxpayers deserve to know that when it's a Republican. We've got to be specific here. Taxpayers deserve to know everything when it's a Republican. Because if you know everything, then you can find stuff that sounds bad and that you can portray as bad. But the thing is, when it's a Democrat, taxpayers don't deserve to know anything, because then it'll be used as a political football, right, Andrew Cuomo, right, Melissa DeRosa, about to segue. This is going to be a, a foreshadowing segue. Let's call it that. Gordon, now a senior advisor to the University of Michigan's Poverty Solutions Initiative, oh, probably a great place, issued a statement Tuesday. I've served in government for a long time, and I believe that elected chief executives need to make final decisions about policy with confidential advice, he said. They also need to be comfortable with their agency heads. Since the pandemic began, many leadership changes have happened in other states. It's no surprise they would happen in Michigan. Well, that is very informative, a.k.a. not informative at all. Uh, It's interesting that you believe they need to make decisions about policy with confidential advice, I mean, I guess, okay, but let's think about that. Why should the advice be confidential? I would actually really like to know the metrics by which my representatives are making decisions. Because after the last year, I don't trust any of them from either party until they show me that they are transparent with their decision making. And that they are listening to their constituents and answering the legitimate questions from their constituents rather than telling them nonsense like we're just following the science or that letting the wrong information get out there might be used against them politically or it might make the constituents upset. That's what they're really saying. They don't want anyone to know how their decisions are made. Because then people might not like them and vote them out of office. And of course, we would be doing that in the wrong way. Because we should trust them that they are really just doing what's best for us, even though they won't tell us how or why. Are you ready for the Cuomo segue that I've already foreshadowed? Of course you are. Also, you don't have a choice unless you want to press pause because it is coming at you right now. Andrew Cuomo today did a one of his press conferences where he shows slides and he talks very slowly and deliberately to make everybody feel like he has everything under control and he's talked about his vaccines and the Johnson and Johnson vaccine and how he's gonna get a tranche of vaccines. And then once that tranche is gone, he'll get some more vaccines. And the real thing that's really important is that we get vaccines in people's arms. It's odd that that phrase is being used by literally every Democrat. They're all saying we gotta get vaccines in people's arms. Gotta get vaccines in people's arms. Why is that? I'm going to have to think about this because they could simply say that we need to get people vaccinated. That's normal. Getting it in people's arms sounds strange to me. It might sound strange to you. Maybe I'm just on one right now and having crazy ideas. It's possible. But I want to see where this goes because it is a really, really strange use of language. And we know for a fact that they are distributing these talking points and they're saying how things should be discussed. So you'd imagine that this at the very least has been focus grouped. And worse, it could be some weird Orwellian shit that we just aren't aware of yet. And now I love a good technological innovation. So check this out. I'm about to do a parenthetical segue. that's going to segue right in and out. Of itself, right back into the section. It's kind of like that movie Inception, honestly. So, the CDC actually said today that once you have gotten the vaccine in your arm, it's now okay to gather indoors. So, basically, they are just trying to bait more and more people into getting this vaccine, which should indicate to everyone that no one really wants it. For good reason, by the way, because the vaccines suck. They're dangerous, and you don't need it for a disease where 998 out of 1,000 people recover rather than die, and all the ones who do die, or we could say 99.99999% of the people who die are old with multiple comorbidities, and I don't mean old like 70. I mean old like 95, which is why the CDC uses 75 and up as an age group. That makes no sense. 75 and up is not an age group. 75 to 85 is an age group. 85 to 95 is an age group. 95 plus, I'll give you, that's an age group. But 75 and up is not an age group. A 76-year-old and a 102-year-old are not the same in any way medically. That is a ridiculous, ridiculous metric that somehow we've just accepted. How many times does the CDC, does Anthony Fauci have to absolutely change their position to the opposite position before we realize and decide that these people are lying to us? They are advertising to us. They are propagandizing us. This is insulting. It's insulting. Make a vaccine that works and give it to people. Don't make a vaccine that doesn't work. Don't make a vaccine that's 95% effective for a disease that 99.8% of people survive. Don't make a vaccine that might alter your DNA, according to Mark Zuckerberg until he talks in public with Anthony Fauci, and then it definitely doesn't do that. Don't make a vaccine that might sterilize a woman or cause someone to have an immunodeficiency problem. Why in the world is this such a debacle? Oh, I'll tell you why. It's because vaccines like this one only exist so pharma can make money. That's it. Now you need two doses. Now you need three doses. Now you need three doses plus a seasonal booster. Now you need three doses plus two seasonal boosters. Now we think that the vaccine won't work against variants, but now it will. And now it won't unless you get a booster for that variant. And now it won't for that variant, but you need a booster for another variant. Let's just get a vaccine all the time. In fact, you know what? The vaccines are getting too expensive for the government to pay for. So this one's going to just kill you and then we don't have to worry about it. And now I'm going to complete my technological innovation by giving you a closed parenthetical on the right side and we jump right back to Cuomo. See how that works? It's amazing. So Andrew Cuomo discussed the fact that he had made a deal with the state legislature last night, to restrict his emergency powers. How are they being restricted, you might ask? Are his emergency powers being taken away? No, they're not. In fact, this deal does basically nothing. It gives a little show to the press or to people who might be mad about how bad a governor he is. But his emergency powers will not end until the federal government declares that the pandemic is over. And they will not do that because their basis for calling it a pandemic in the first place has nothing to do with the severity of the disease or the deaths. It only has to do with what they deem to be the current case count. This is not what the definition of pandemic was before. We are not in a pandemic. We are certainly not in a global pandemic, as the maskies like to continue to say. They will just believe that we're in a global pandemic forever. that's not how it works, but do they care how it works? Of course not. So his emergency powers aren't going anywhere. The only deal that was made was that now that now fifty percent of both houses in the state legislature have to overrule the emergency order he gives and then at the end of that little section he he declares to everyone watching that you don't want to be mistaken and think that there is no ever-present danger. The ever-present danger of COVID still exists. And Andrew Cuomo wants you to know that so that you will continue to live in fear. And then he went on to insult the governors that had relaxed their restrictions. He thought that 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 was very stupid and irresponsible. Gavin Newsom actually had called it last night, he called it absolutely reckless But Andrew Cuomo actually said, you relax too far and you will see the beast rise up again. And then he taps his head like with his like three fingers and he goes, smart, New York tough. Like referring to himself. The beast will rise up again if you're not smart and New York tough like Andrew Cuomo. Yes, you dragon slayer, you. Oh, you hero of lore. Unbelievable, this guy. He is actually like a comical buffoon. I can only imagine what it would be like if this guy were a Republican and the clowns on MSNBC and CNN had their chance to go at him or Jon Stewart or Bill Maher or Trevor Noah, like the retarded stepchild of The Daily Show, they would be ripping him up every night. This guy is, like, at the most ridiculous I ever thought Trump was before I started understanding what Trump was really about. This is worse than that. This guy is an absolute fool. So he wraps up the COVID part and then he gets on to the sexual harassment part and you know immediately he starts apologizing and talking about how embarrassing it is for him of course not for not for the women or for anybody else or for the state to have him as their governor but it's embarrassing for him it's very very hurtful for him that everybody would accuse him of doing these things that he definitely didn't do he's never never Touched anyone in an inappropriate way, I mean, except for that woman at the uh, you know at the wedding where he put his hand uh, on her tailbone that she you know she then threw off aggressively, according to him, and then he put his hands on her face, but besides that, no inappropriate touching. One of the reporters actually asked him if he uh, who he was apologizing to, and without saying her name, he referred to her by her position. In his government, he, re, he was talking about Lindsey Boylan. And then the reporter prompted him, well, you know, aren't you going to apologize to the, the citizens of New York? And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, of course I apologize to them. But really, really, you guys know that I didn't do anything wrong. So it's strange that not everyone is apologizing to me. I might as well apologize to myself since no one else seems to be doing it, you jerks. And so they asked him if he was going to resign. And his response was that he was elected by the people of New York, and he's going to continue to serve the people of New York. Well, I mean, if that's the standard for whether or not someone should resign, then basically every politician in office has that protection. No one should ever resign from their elected office because they were elected to that office. That is, is that tautological? Perhaps. I'm going to have to think about that one for longer. Um, But the idea that you cannot resign because you were elected, just because people wanted you to be the governor at one point, doesn't mean that they always want you to be the governor, even if you're killing their grandmothers and sexually harassing your employees, you jackass. In fact, you can know that that logic doesn't make any sense just by virtue of the fact that your West Coast clone, Gavin Newsom, is getting recalled. So it's true that he got elected, well, despite voter fraud. I mean, who knows if he actually got elected. Let's assume that he did. But it's also true that the citizens of his state no longer want him to be the representative. Andrew Cuomo should resign. Saying that he was elected as a reason not to resign is very, very poor logic. And it's also terrible morality, but he doesn't care about that, of course. Now, he also, he also basically feigned crying. I'm not joking. He didn't shed a tear, of course, but he mimicked emotion. In the same way that any sociopath would. Sociopaths are great at mimicking emotion. They cannot actually experience emotion except for the emotion resulting from their own narcissism or pleasure or shame. That's about it. And those aren't really emotions. Those are just them experiencing the, uh, the, the, the positives and negatives the shifts in, their, in the capacity of their own human ego. That's really all that is. Andrew Cuomo doesn't experience sadness or embarrassment. He portrays the experience of sadness or embarrassment because he imagines that, that the portrayal of these emotions will signal to people that he is taking this very seriously and this is really a deep concern to him it's not the concern is only of his reputation and he is scared of losing his reputation which he has manufactured for so long especially in the last year now in terms of the women's claims he made a a really really astounding argument that if me too was for anything but political power, they would be reacting to. In addressing the claims, he said that before anyone, anyone, including the voters, including the citizens that he actually represents, before anyone makes a judgment, they should wait to get the facts from the attorney general's investigation. Before forming an opinion, they should get the facts from the attorney general's investigation. Now, if he doesn't want people to form their opinion based on what the women have said, the things that he has done, that he has not denied in any way, he said he hasn't inappropriately touched someone. He didn't say he didn't do the things that these women claimed. That's not what he said. He said he didn't inappropriately touch anyone and that the things he said were, were in a joking way and he's sad if someone misconstrued them. But if he if he's saying that he doesn't want people to form their opinions on what these women have said and that instead they should wait for the facts to come out via the attorney general, then then what he's saying is that the women. Are lying, Okay, they are not presenting facts, so we should wait until the attorney general, his attorney general comes out with their investigation. The women's views are not valid. He's not disputing them. He's not taking them claim by claim and saying how they're wrong. He's saying that we have to wait for facts from someone else after an investigation is completed. And when will that investigation be completed, Andrew Cuomo? Is it never? It's not now. Is it a week from now? No. Is it a month from now? Probably not. Is it six months from now? Doubt it. A year? Who knows? It's most likely never. That investigation will be completed whenever Andrew Cuomo wants it to be, just like with the nursing home deaths. The investigation was going to make him look bad, so he made sure that the information never got out there. So basically, he's saying That he wants everyone to withhold judgment until a future date that he decides. And until then, he is not going to resign. He's not going to apologize. And he's not going to say that any of it's wrong. And then at the end, at the end of his whole thing, he said that he wears a pin. And on that pin, it says pride, integrity, performance he said he wears this pin and he looks at it and that's what it means really that's a quote he said he goes and that's what it means pride integrity and performance and he basically was claiming that by virtue of wearing this pin he exemplifies these three notions all you got to do is put that pin on and then you are a man of pride integrity and performance. Well, you got one of those, Andrew Cuomo. You got pride. Unfortunately, pride is a deadly sin, and yours is unjustified. What a fucking disaster this guy is. Sorry, I swore. But it's the end of the show. So if you made it this far, you probably already like me, and you've probably heard me swear before, and you probably forgive me which is all I can ask for, because unlike Andrew Cuomo, I'm not going to deny that I said it. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns do not work. And Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye.